0: This episode is brought to you by Challengers Comics and Conversation. Go to challengerscomics.com and start the conversation now. Daniels Law LLC in Georgia. Visit dlawllc.com. Kerberos Productions. The minds behind the games enter the pit and Kaijuagogo. Search for Kerberos, K-E-R-B-E-R-O-S, on Steam, or go to kerberos-productions.com to check out their growing catalog of titles.
1: Hey there, conductors of The Metaphysical, and welcome to The Crossroad for the week of September 19th, 2016. We've got an excellent guest, Marie Hicks, on the show this week. She's going to talk to us a little bit about the social impact of Ghostbusters Answer the Call. She's also going to discuss a little bit of Holtzman shipping for you Holtzman lovers out there. Uh, And then, you know, she's also going to talk to us about that, that incident in her living room involving the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man.
0: Still Playing with Toys.net presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Master? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. Oh, we have fun. Woo! Halloween
2: yeah it well it's officially the Halloween season we didn't talk about it much last time but we're here now
1: no I mean I I kind of made a joke last week in the intro about like everything is pumpkin spiced but it's actually that's reality everything is pumpkin spiced already and it's sort of I love it like I don't mind it everybody talks about how terrible it is that oh it was just Labor Day and everything is pumpkin spiced I don't care I actually like that I'm down with it
2: yeah well pumpkin spice along with what cinnamon nutmeg I mean, don't get me wrong, I know cinnamon and nutmeg and all this does have its place in the summertime and stuff like that, but these are putting on a cider, or drizzling on an oatmeal, or making cookies out of, or, that you know what I mean? Fall, winter goodies and feel-good comfort uh, food and drink. so, yeah, once we hit back to school, jerk. yes, we can still go outside in our shorts and play soccer and all that, but in the evening, at least, eat you can smell it right you yeah. Like, yeah it's fall it's Even, fall. You,
1: you walk through the store like you walk through the grocery store or target or whatever and they have the like the, the, the candles and the air fresheners and everything out that has that sort of that fall
2: scent yeah.
1: it's great i love it i'm not I, mad I, at it
2: at all i mean if we stop to think about it, it might be creepy that they've got our lives down to summertime spring and summertime lemon fresh you know, fall and winter? Spice.
1: Yep. Spice, yeah, exactly. Spice.
2: Makes it, you want to stay inside
1: that. and be cozy. It's great,
2: yeah. Well, if anything, just to to dial down the, the marketing push for Christmas. I love Christmas, but it feels like it starts so far out now that I'm kind of drained by the time Christmas... Act- like, I actually act- actively have to ritualize the couple of days around Christmas kind of to, yourself to, to, re, up. Yeah. to recapture that old kind of Christmassy feeling. I think if they, like, basically nobody talked nothing about it until, like, December 1st, Christmas would be way more awesome.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I, it's fine. Now there's a, there's a different, like, Halloween to me is a separate season. You've got Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Halloween lasts yeah. from... Like, beginning of September to end of October. It's fantastic. You get that whole two months, and then you get into Thanksgiving, and then you get into Christmas, and then you have to deal with the harsh reality of life and get back to work in January.
2: uh, (laughs) Have you seen the Sigourney Weaver pictures? She's been turned into a meme for somebody posted. It's one of those um, somebody says and I'm like kind of memes, but it's told with a picture. So the one is uh, them. It's like, it's only the start of September and the Halloween, uh, you know, candy's out. And then the one, me, and it's a picture. It's a Corny Weaver in some model shoot. It's her just sort of frolicking on a pile of pumpkins. <laughs> 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 so somebody decided, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, man, Halloween decorations are there. Me. me. Just
1: frolicking through the pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah. it's, That's it's Me it's too.
2: Yeah, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Back off, jeez.
1: <laughs> Scorny Weaver, you and I, same, same. Uh, I got a rock. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here at the beginning of the show, Chris. Um, okay. I'm gonna do this live on the air. Uh, I got a wonderful package in the mail uh, when I got home from work today, and. Bye. Uh, I was going to open it on the air, and then I was like, nah, you know, I'll open it, I'll take a look at it, <laughs> What? and then what I can talk about it. if it's a dead animal? Yeah, I better that, check be first. Like, maybe it's my, like, an old, like, cat uh, fossil or something, but, uh, no, so I opened <laughs> an- this package. Anthrax. You, you sent me, like, the most wonderful gift, uh, that I, I, you're, like, one of the best human beings on the face of the planet, sir. Uh,
2: so Chris... It's all a cover. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll <laughs> deny everything. <laughs> He's a terrible
1: person, everybody. No. Chris, Chris sent me uh, a, a framed... Um, it's a photo of my wife and I on the green slime carpet at the Ghostbusters premiere. Uh, it's a little uh, swatch of the green carpet. Um, I don't know how you got it. Maybe I don't want to know. How did you get a swatch of the green carpet, dude? That's Maybe I do want to know. How did, did you cut part of the carpet while we were there?
2: No, I'm not that clever. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'm not entirely sure that they want it out there sort of thing, oh, okay. but much, right. much like every time... Like when the video game came out and they made the giant inflatable Stay Puft for marketing purposes, like the real heavy-duty inflatable ones, like 25 feet tall. uh, Every time those came out, some franchise was smart enough to contact them and go, what are you going to do with that when you're done? Where where does
1: that go when you guys are finished? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or things like... uh, uh, so. One of the franchises that was down there was smart enough to ask around around it. And they basically had a... I don't know, all of it or a big roll of it or whatever sent to them. And um, yeah, it's... Again, I... Boy, I wish we'd known we were going to talk about. it. I could have clarified whether I should talk to it. I know I reached out to them because I had this idea about it. I knew they were out there because some people were posting it on social media. And I said it would be great and I'd be happy to do something in return. Uh, And what it amounted to is... Once I get some uh, Ghostbusters of BC patches, I was going to send them because that's they're looking to trade for those, and they had a, a charity uh, that they like to support. So I I was sitting in an airport going, I can't do the patches now, but I can throw you a lot of money. And they <laughs> sent a, uh, they sent actually it was a oh boy probably four by four piece. Wow, which is, you'll note is not as big as you got because uh, I have a matching one and. Uh, I thought it'd be creepy if it was a picture of uh, me and your wife, so it's a picture of you and me. Um, (laughs) That
1: would would be a little... I'd be like, wait a minute, that's...
2: Okay. (laughs) And then I had a few extras, and so for... I I wish I had enough for... Well, I wish I had enough for the world, honestly. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I didn't have enough for all of the BC team, but some of the original members I I managed. I made smaller, like, single pitch I I was like, what's your favorite picture from LA? And they're like, why? And I'm like, nothing creepy. It'll be a little creepy. (laughs) Um, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> so, and then I, uh, yeah. And, uh, to be honest, um, I, well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I guess I was like, keep it a secret. I'm like, you idiot. This is a podcast. It's not a secret, but, uh, I may, I may contact them again. Like, uh, um, again, I don't know what their plans are or how long they want it to last or whether they're going to carpet their front foyer with the rest <laughs> or whatever, but, uh, you know I might try and get a little bit more for for the rest of the team yeah don't that, but, don't
1: uh you uh, protect the names of the innocent uh I didn't I didn't I didn't mean to out you here uh but I yeah mean, it was it was just such a, an awesome gesture I had to call you out in public for it uh because it was one of the like I was having a lousy day and I got home and there was this like awesome, uh, you know, the the brown paper uh, package waiting for you that said it came from Canada, and I'm like, <laughs> the, what did I package. order? <laughs> did I order something? I don't did remember. Did I order porn? What's and going on? It's, but it's too why do I have a plain brown wrap? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so and you know, and then I saw it was from you, and I was like, oh, this is okay. Oh, if it's hefty, it's it's heavy, and and I so open it up, and yeah, it was this amazing thing, and so you know, uh, we were talking, I don't know, it was like two, three weeks ago now at this point where we were talking about needing to recharge our batteries. And because we had lived this amazing, like we, we hit the peak of all of these great things that have been happening in the Ghostbusters community. And then we were all just sort of on the sugar crash. Uh, you know, you're, you're certainly doing a, a bang up job of keeping me energized, man. So thank you. Cause that was, that was great. I can't thank you enough for that. And, it, uh, it's hanging. It's hanging right here now, next to the Ghost Core uh, certificate that I got. So it's, it's like in the studio. It's here on the Crossrip Studio right now as we speak. It's it's a piece of us, which I think is pretty awesome too. So,
2: well, you're welcome. Well, thanks, man. All right. Well, good night. Uh, I'll most likely kill you in the morning.
1: <laughs> the Dread Pirate Chris Stewart. Uh, that's his heart grew three sizes that day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're a mean one. Mr. Grinch, there we are. We're we're at Christmas. Well, we're, done we're into short.
1: Christmas. We did it. We bridged the gap in. Let's see. It's been <coughs> nine minutes and twenty five seconds. Uh,
2: that's okay. <sighs> but it feels like Halloween was only yesterday.
1: Uh, it does. It does. But before, uh, okay. So uh, let's let's get in the show. I I I had to be uh, a, a little emotional and a little nostalgic about stuff. And I'm sorry. Thanks for everybody for you know bearing in there. I know it's like oh feelings and truth and honesty whatever. <laughs> you guys can handle it. It's okay. <laughs>
2: But, uh, so it's okay, bro. It's okay, bro. Hug it out.
1: Um, that's right.
2: No. Sideways hug. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but it, so we, we have an amazing guest on the show this week. We have, uh, Dr. Uh, Marie Hicks, who it's, it's one of the weirdest, funniest things. Uh, I reached out to because I thought it would be funny that she talked about something funny that happened to her that went viral And then I realized, oh, my God, she's, uh, you know, she she, she's a professor and she's studying uh, history and she can speak to a whole lot more than this one kind of goofy photo that she posted. So uh, so we have her on as an amazing guest here. But we do have a little bit of news that we'll get into first. And then we'll talk to Marie about, you know, stay puffed lawn decorations, uh, maybe some some social issues. uh, Ghostbusters answer the call. Yeah, a, a, few, a few things. It's going to be a lot of fun, so, so stick with us. It's going to be a good conversation. Hey, guys. Peter,
2: I have some news from the world of Gozer.
0: I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here. If you want, to turn your head. I improve beam accuracy by adding plasma shields to RF discharge chamber. I have cryo-cooler to reduce helium boil-off and to dub it all up. We got a freaking Faraday cage. All
1: right, happy birthday, everybody. Happy? What? You didn't know it was your birthday, did you? No. Everybody knew that it was real Ghostbusters' 30th anniversary because uh, social media told you so. I mean, we we knew that we were at our 30th anniversary, (laughs) but, you know, there's, especially this, the last two or three weeks, we've had the, what was it, the 31st anniversary of Golden Girls, the 30th anniversary of the Filmation Ghostbusters, uh, the 30th anniversary of Ducktales, I want to say. What was Woo. the other one? I think it was Ducktales. But anyway,
2: so yeah. So, so keep saying Ducktales.
1: Ducktales. Woo!
2: All right, I will we'll come Sorry. back to that. Don't it's worry. It's a we'll, habit. I'm
1: going to keep you I, on your toes.
2: Th- this is, I'm probably revealing a little too much about how my brain works, which is, it's like my brain actually is very much like those, um, those touch pads you see DJs have. Where uh, they program in like the a, loops uh, and all of
1: What's it called? A sound... Oh, God. I they was going to say soundboard. Yeah. Soundboard, yeah. yeah. Soundbar yeah. is the that, thing that you hang in front
2: of your TV. Wow. That's my brain. It You're constantly triggering switches of song clips and movie quotes. Oh, so by I saying apologize. stuff like,
1: what, DuckTales? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna do that in the middle
1: of Mars interview just to, to just put you on the spot. Yeah, like, we'll oh, have you to know Mar, it to one it. of my one of my favorite shows was Ducktales, and I...
2: <laughs> Troy's an idiot. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. You're a doctor, and we're idiots. I'm so sorry. <sighs>
1: anyway, all right. So hey, Real Ghostbusters 30th anniversary. Uh, Twitter yes. especially was a buzz with it because uh, Maurice Lamarche tweeted to um, Arsenio Hall. Uh, they had a little moment about the 30th anniversary. They also hashtag serious jelly roll. What am I? Am I just old? Is serious jelly roll a thing or is that like an inside joke with them?
2: Oh, I missed that. I don't know what that is.
1: Like Maurice Lamar said to Arsenio Hall, something to the effect of, uh, hey, can't believe it's been 30 years. Those record sessions were some of my favorite in my life. Hashtag serious jelly roll. Oh, boy. Am I sounding really is old? It, Somebody out there is going to be like, dude, serious jelly roll. Come on, bruh. <laughs>
2: Unless it's a reference to uh, the the rounds of uh, celebrity farts they used to get into. <laughs> I remember him talking Celebrety about that
0: once. Celebrity farts? Did you,
2: well, there'd be downtime while it, they'd go to the booth and the, the booth would be talking and trying to sort stuff out. and So they're just sitting around and uh, him and Frank Welker in particular – um, who had a range of um, impressions Start. they, they would start going back and forth. Okay. Okay. Orson Welles. <laughs> like, I, I can't do it. Right. But they, <laughs> they just like, by the end, everybody's on the floor, just howling. Right. Like they're so not even doing impressions of how they sound. They're doing impressions. It's of just how they're, farts. Uh, their uh, wins. All right. So maybe, and, maybe uh, a serious jelly maybe. roll was a reference. Obviously a okay. it's an in joke or you and I are overlooking right, something Yeah, exactly. uh, quite obvious. Uh,
1: but so, yeah. So anyway, so Dave Coulier, he, he tweeted out, I mean, everybody was sort of, sort of waxing nostalgic about real ghostbusters on Twitter. Uh, I listened to the Tahiti soundtrack for the first time in, mm-hmm. it's been a while. I mean, since, <laughs> you know, you watch the episodes and you hear them in context, but yeah. listening to that soundtrack out of context, it hasn't aged that well. Um It's super eighties. It's super eighties. Really uh, I'm trying to remember the exact line of dialogue that I called out on Twitter, but it's the boogeyman song. It's like he doesn't want to hurt us, he just wants to dance. Like
2: oh oh that's so eighties. But It's the the what's the track, Start Me Up that the I The Boogeyman
1: He's coming to get
2: ya. Now the other that start you up. Oh yeah, for a guy who collects Ghostbusters music, that's something I actually don't own. Is I don't have one of the cassettes. That I don't. I don't think they did vinyl. I think it was purely a cassette release, and I don't have it. I should look around for it sometime. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't actually. I have a copy of the cassette thanks to. Uh, I think it was Paul. I think it was Spook Central Paul who. Sent me wow. one a long, like long a co- time a ago. A copy of it, or a copy like a one-to-one, like yeah. high-speed uh, dub of the actual cassette, um, and that's what I have digitized. So, um, so to the guy who tweeted me at my Ghostbusters HQ uh, Twitter handle, it was like, "Is it readily available? Well, ask Paul, and he'll dub you a copy of the cassette tape, <laughs> and then you can digitize it yourself." But
2: <laughs> not, not to, to, to uh speak towards uh copyright issues and all that but i think it's out there on the web if you know what i mean it's um, uh
1: you know you know youtube right it's a wonderful yeah. resource of many things of uh, videos and all yeah let's sorts do of, it that way let's yeah. let's do
2: the thing that google owns and and they can duke it with whomever but yes i'm pretty sure if you went to uh to youtube uh that somebody will have uploaded uh copies of it yeah to so you YouTube. grab it there Uh, That's probably
1: something. Don't go to YouTube. That's that's probably something (laughs) terrible. You probably don't want to go there. Uh, But anyway, so yeah, so Tahiti, that was interesting. I was doing that during work. And then you go down a rabbit hole at work where you're like, God, I wonder what happened to Tahiti. It took a while, man. It took a while for me to find what happened to Tahiti. Um, Well, they were just kids, right? They were like
2: teeny boppers when they recorded. Yeah.
1: I mean, I want to say they were probably like... Thirteen, fifteen at the most when they recorded right. that real Ghostbusters soundtrack. For and some
2: context, they're my age. So, I, I, let's put it this way: if you started googling old age homes, you may have started at the, at the you know, well, your no, search was off. <laughs> so you but started and I, and off wrong. I had wrong. no
1: idea. Like one half of Tahiti, uh, Tyron Perry, she was in Family Matters. I had no idea. This was I. I went down really? this rabbit hole and I figured all this stuff out that. Yeah, Tyron Perry was the only one I could track. She was on uh, Family Matters, and then she's in a band called Kai's Army now, and that's that's as far as I was able to take it because she had sort of a pop career, late 80s, early 90s, then sort of tapered off. She probably went to school and, and you know, finished college or whatever and then started up another band, and that's that's where I picked her back up. But otherwise, Tahiti is no more. Tahiti has ceased to be. Uh, so that was, that was interesting. That's that, that was my Ghostbusters or real Ghostbusters 30th anniversary was figuring out what happened to Tahiti. <laughs> I didn't watch yeah, well, the episodes. For,
2: well, for people who, who complain these days about manufactured pop music, don't, let's not get started here. Like it was really something else in the eighties. Oh yeah. Millie Vanilli aside, like Tahiti a perfect example, right? Uh, you find a a pair of teeny boppers that can sing. You put a whole album together, and then you cut the deal where it will be featured in a uh, syndicated cartoon show that ever yeah. based on a hit movie. I mean, and,
1: that's, that's the Saban way, right? Or Saban, but, uh, yeah.
2: Saban. Um, uh, and it, then yeah, but and it and beyond that, it went nowhere. But I'm sure for that that one instant, it was. I mean, that's as that's a that's that's burning pretty hot in terms of, you know, PR synergy and all that.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine being 12 and somebody picks you out of obscurity and says, you're going to, you're going to do some, some, uh, soundtrack songs for real ghostbusters. You're going to do about 12 songs on an album. Uh, we're going to put you on the cover and you'll be surrounded by, you know, these, these four characters. Uh, don't worry about it. It's going to be fantastic. Like, all right. You ready? Kid go. <laughs> what? I'm I was gonna go home and watch TV, but okay, sure, why not? <laughs> the after-school
2: specials on.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mouse on the Motorcycle—that was my favorite. Um, okay, so yeah, so anyway, so happy uh, 30th anniversary to the real Ghostbusters. Uh, what else is in the news today? Uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray in the news today, as he always is. He's always in our news, guys. He's in our hearts but uh, he's being honored by the Kennedy Center for the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor that's happening on October 23rd. Um, I've seen conflicting reports here. Some people said that the the actual award is being presented to him by Sigourney Weaver and Dan Aykroyd. I read that Dan Aykroyd and Sigourney Weaver will be there in attendance. Did you see that, Chris? Do you have any clarification on that?
2: The one I saw uh, was Dan Aykroyd and David Letterman.
1: Oh oh yeah, and Letterman. Letterman was also in there as well. Because obviously now, Bill Bill did a lot of stints on the Letterman show, his first guest. Uh
2: um, they're, they're serious pals, like in so much as David Letterman does not reveal much of his private life, like his kids and his wife and all that sort of thing. <laughs> it's not like he speaks much about how much him he and Bill uh pal around and all that, but it's pretty clear there's like a real buddy buddy bond with them given that uh, Murray was the first guest on his first talk show, and the last guest when he just before he retired.
1: Right, and
2: right. a regular appearance for no real reason. <laughs> Bill rarely had anything specific. A lot of the time to promote, and, he was just the, and would come dressed as
1: Liberace. He would come dressed <laughs> as a Sherpa. It didn't matter.
2: He was always didn't, there. Yeah, there's there's a hole. Somebody called Bill, and he would show up. So. <laughs> If I had to put money, like, I haven't watched, It's not. I mean, it's not like the Emmys. I don't even watch the Emmys or the Oscars or anything like that. But I know in those cases, they do a lot of, they want uh, host-presenter banter. So they'll have a couple of them go up. You know, now to present the blah, blah, you know, so-and-so and 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 so-and-so. The Kennedy ones, I seem to recall, is a little bit more straightforward, where you invite it with a single, it's, it's a. Rarified air of of uh where you have some real high-powered people come out and speak you know about the wonderful things they love about other high-powered intellectual people or uh, accomplished people or whatever you want to call it so yeah. if i had to guess i think uh, boy i don't know i hadn't even heard about sigourney weaver until you mentioned it so But I think that's probably, that's it because
1: they usually, I've only watched a couple of them, but they usually speak from the heart. They tell a story or they, they say a first person perspective of something involving the honoree.
2: Do they do multiples? Like, do they, have they ever had like a series of people come out and talk about? I I think so. I mean, in in
1: the instances where they have like, they're honoring, it was like the who, I'm trying to remember the last one that I watched, but they, they had a couple people come out and talk and then they did a performance or they do like a video Uh, clip um, because I think it was Steve Martin the last time I saw like an actual like a comedian and somebody came out and talked about his stand-up and how he took the whole crowd out for uh, coffee afterwards or or hot chocolate or whatever it was and then they they showed clips from his stand-up so they'll probably do something with Bill Murray that's similar they'll like come out they'll have a couple people talk about him they'll show a good like retrospective video and then Bill himself will come out probably say something like Thanks, and then <laughs>
2: you know, knowing <laughs> this Bill will Murray, be, this will be a good ret- retrospective to watch too because they are since they're they don't seem to have the time crunch because they only present to like what two or three people a year. Or yeah, something it's like only that.
1: a small group.
2: Yeah, they when they unlike the Oscars where they're like, here's a retrospective, and you're like, wow, you left out 18 really good movies or whatever. Like. These ones they tend they'll start with, you know, here's some rare footage of him at Second City and here's yeah. him doing some strange local, you know, uh New York uh, cable stuff or whatever. Here's him, the, you know, that first Mr. Bill movie, you know like, oh, what? Uh, am I, what am I looking at here?
1: Yeah, it should be like uh AFI just did a a John Williams um I think it was a lifetime achievement award or or so, again one of those retrospective things, but it was a whole hour dedicated just to John Williams. Maybe this will be sort I mean it's not gonna be a whole hour dedicated to Bill Murray. Let's not kid ourselves here. That would be nope. awesome, but that's not what it will be. Uh um, it'll
2: be it'll be a good ten or fifteen minute chunk of him though. Yeah. So so yeah. should
1: be should be pretty good. That is that's coming up on October twenty third, so we'll probably talk about it, you know, uh about a month from now. Um
2: but, will, will they ha- will they have clips of his super rare uh laser disc uh like we did?
1: Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe people should go know. back and listen to the September twenty first, twenty fifteen episode. How do I know that off the top of my head, Chris? That's so crazy.
2: Because you thought of it like I did. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. Yeah, you were like, just smart enough. You were smart enough to write it down, though. No. Oh, yeah.
1: It's fine. It's the so the ah. Bill Murray. Our our Bill Murray spectacular for his birthday last year. Uh, there's a lot of awesome, sort of rare clips that that Chris put together. I I may actually, I need to replay that. I don't remember a lot of the stuff that was on there. So that's that's good. Go check it out in our feed uh, about this time last year. Chris put together a wonderful uh, Bill Murray uh, retrospective. It's going to be better than the Kennedy Center. I'm just throwing that out there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to do another one, actually. all right Not well, Bill let's... Murray, but, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd or somebody, Dan, right? uh,
1: Yeah, let's do one for Dan. Dan's coming do up again. A, right? Do a
2: Harold Ramis. Picture there's a lot of oh, good yeah. SCTV Harold Ramis stuff.
1: Well, let's yeah, let's do a. Uh, it was February, right? Let's do one for Harold in February. That's yeah, that's gonna be fun. There we okay,
2: go. let's do that. All right. So <laughs> we're, we're, we've booked it ahead of time. We've booked it ahead Mark of time. This is,
1: this is us working on our programming schedule on the air. Don't worry about it, guys. That's totally fine. Professionals <laughs> acting. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, answer the call. There's a couple news items, and then we'll get into some merch stuff. But uh, the answer the call Blu-ray. Had a wonderful uh, conversation with Tyler a couple weeks ago about the Blu-ray. It's coming out uh, in October, uh, September 27th. For those of you that are digital uh, adopters, if you want to buy the the uh, the iTunes video-on-demand Voodoo version of it, it's going to be available here in a few days' time, uh, funny enough. Yeah. but uh, But the Blu-ray is working its way up the charts on Amazon. It's number one in fantasy and number two in comedy. Is that right, Chris?
2: Yeah, and number 27 overall. And oh. then just 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 for just to throw a weird curveball in there, technically Ghostbusters is on the fantasy list twice because the uh, number one is just the blu-ray. Number six is the HD 3d um, gift uh, 3. yeah yeah. oh, interesting. So, so there yeah. it's on
1: there twice. Uh, and then uh, Labor Day weekend we talked about already, but uh, in the second weekend, out of Labor Day weekend, the box office results were a little surprising. Uh, do you do you still have those numbers in front of you, Chris? Uh,
2: the exact numbers? No. But to no. one decimal place, I can do it. Um, so
1: so the Labor Day weekend we talked about uh, over Labor Day weekend, funny enough, but it was one point, just a little over 1 million, if I
2: remember one, right? One 1.0 something, and yeah. then you knew when we recorded that it was going to hold those extra... Uh, it's like seven, 800 theaters that it suddenly had back. It was going to have it for the following weekend. And now that we're past that following weekend, it made another 1.2 on that weekend.
1: Wow. So it made more after the holiday weekend than it actually made on the holiday weekend itself. That's, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's like, I don't, uh, it's, it was a, a conversation that was had in private with somebody who was saying that I feel like there's a wave of love right now with Ghostbusters answer the call and, and my response was, shh, don't fight it. Just ride it and enjoy it. Because it's been it's been yeah. one of those things where, like, look, if there's a wave of positivity, just
2: don't question it. Don't fight it. <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's it's like trying to call attention to something with your friends where you're like, look at that guy over there. But don't look directly. It's the same <laughs> thing here. Don't look right now. But That's right. Look. Look, Ghostbusters is having this way. Don't look. You'll let yeah. them know
1: what you're looking at. Don't draw attention to it. <laughs> let us just enjoy it for a moment.
2: <laughs>
1: so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of nice. Uh, it's enjoying some box office success. It's enjoying some pre-order success. Uh, hopefully, we get some some good home uh, video numbers here. Because, I mean, that Blu-ray, again, it, this is just the shill in me talking. So, don't worry about it. But that Blu-ray is packed. Uh, a lot of times... You know, they'll do that first release and they'll withhold something because they know there's going to be a special edition release or a box set or something down the line. This is it, guys. Like As as the former DVD uh, special features producer in me, I'm looking at this going, no, dude, that's the definitive release. Everything in the kitchen sink looks like it's going to be on there. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty awesome that we're going to get that right out of the gate and God, only like a couple months after the movie was in the theaters. No, actually, mere hours after the movie was in the theaters, because it's still in theaters right now. That's the crazy thing.
2: Yeah, well, that's the shifting market for you, I guess. Shifting market, yeah, it's uh,
1: consume, buy and consume. But uh, hey, speaking of buy and consume, <laughs> let's talk about merch, because <laughs> that's, merch, we're really, merch, we're really merch, good at that. Merch. Uh, little Golden Books, minor uh, in the mail. I haven't received them yet as of this recording, but you got yours, right? mine
2: arrived yesterday. Um, although oddly it's, I don't, oh boy, I buy things sometimes and I'm a little hazy in the mornings, but, um, <laughs> for some reason I bought myself four copies of the original movie, little golden book, because I have a number of, uh, small children in my life that, um, I know they'll love it and their parents will roll their eyes. Uh, and i didn't realize it existed, but I ordered myself a copy of, it's an oversized little golden book uh, that has both movies, both the books in right. one bigger So there's edition. there's
1: two little guys and a big guy, right? That's my yeah. understanding of it. Like the two little guys are $4, $5 a piece, and then the big guy's like $6, $7. But so, it's, yeah, a, com- it's I, a combination of the two. So there's like the original them, Ghostbusters, yeah. then there's Ghostbusters Answer the Call, then there's... The big guy. Is it the same book though? Is it the same exact contents? Same. Oh, it is. It's the okay. exact same contents. Got yeah,
2: it. Um, and which leaves me confused as to. I'm pretty sure I would buy the second movies, little golden books. I just can't for the life of remember why I didn't. I think perhaps it might actually have a slightly different release date, but I can't swear to that. Oh, at, I thought, at least here in Canada.
1: Maybe yeah. Maybe it's a Canadian thing because I think all three of them were were released on the thirteenth. Down here because I pre-ordered them they said they shipped out on the 13th fantastic they haven't arrived yet that's another story <laughs> that's the USPS which I'm fighting with right now as Chris can also attest to but yeah. um yeah so so those books are out there um, I saw ghost core they're they're very proud of these books because you know little golden books we've talked about it on previous shows these are Iconic. it's funny they're, they're iconic and they're also heirlooms. Like you pass little golden books down to your kids and then they pass it on to their kids. And it's strange to think of a little cardboard book as being an heirloom, but it's true. Like I have all these little golden books that were my mom's sitting on the shelf right now.
2: Yeah. Well, I had a a couple of my own that survived my childhood more specifically, uh, survived my little brother. Um, (laughs) and when I was aware that I was going to become a father, I turned into uh, a regular at every, uh, thrift shop, value village, Salvation Army, uh, outlet, uh, all over Vancouver, because they're, those are great places to find little golden books. And, uh, by the time my little guy entered the world, he was, uh, most likely BC's, uh, largest private, uh, largest owner <laughs> of a private collection of little golden books, um, Lucky in guy in the province. Lucky yeah, no, guy. he's yeah. But well, it, but it's like you say. There's there's ones like <laughs> it's like my son must have a co- copy of Toodles. <laughs> he must have a copy of Toodles. toodles. And the little engine. that could. Oh yeah, man, Toodles. The pokey little puppy. Come pokey, on.
1: Oh, I mean, pokey little puppy. That's that's like that's that's a prerequisite for any kid to enter elementary school. I feel like. Did you yeah. read the pokey little puppy?
2: <laughs> the the one that killed me is I didn't realize it existed but I found one where all the classic characters uh like Tootles and the Pokey little puppy and all that they made a story where they were all together. It was like, you know, uh, uh Mr. Rogers's Mr. Rogers's it's like that uh what do they call Mr. Rogers's like was it the, imaginary land or Yeah,
1: you know, land uh never uh Land of Imagination, Imagination. Land oh. of Imagination,
2: whatever, uh, it, uh, whatever you want to call it. It was it, it. Okay, sorry. I there's an easier way to do it, and I'll update it. It was the little Golden Book shared universe. Um, <laughs> the little Golden Book
1: cinematic universe. Cinematic universe.
2: Exactly. <laughs> it was. It was all together in one story. It was very odd. Uh, but yeah, now we have the movies that we love are in little gold book form and they are with the exception of like a five year period where some accountant went, get rid of the foil and the cardboard is too expensive. Nobody will know the difference. And the entire world went, we're not buying another one until you put the foil and the cardboard <laughs> back in there. Um, and it worked like I don't know. There's part of me wants wants to start the rumor that it's like a it's a conspiracy, like uh, uh, new Coke. Yeah, they made new Coke, so we'd complain, and then we'd buy more old Coke when they brought it back
1: again. Yeah,
2: everybody's like, "Oh, it's the old school little Golden Books. I need those." Yes. Well, not only that, once they came back, they started signing up everybody. There's like eight plus Star Wars little Golden Books. They're fantastic. Like, yeah any uh secret life of pets uh you you know what i mean like every movie that's out like there's a beautiful uh, with fantastic they all have fantastic art like and they're only five bucks like you cannot you cannot beat these at all
1: yeah and it's and it's good bedtime reading for your kids and and again something you can pass on from generation to generation i mean for four bucks like even if you're not planning on having kids now, just do it for your future kids like 30 years from now, because they'll thank you. They'll be like, Oh, you got me the ghostbusters book back in 2016. Thanks dad or mom. Way to go. Yeah,
2: Exactly. Yeah. So
1: go, go do that. It's, it's awesome. Um, Let's see. Halloween. We talked about it at the top of the show. It's about that time. All of the Halloween decorations are coming out again. We have uh, Marie Hicks on the show. Who's going to talk about a very particular Halloween decoration and what it did to her life. Um, But the spirit Halloween stores, those pop-up stores that appear in the abandoned blockbuster videos near you, uh, (laughs) they have Ghostbusters cups and napkins and party favors and all sorts of stuff. And Target's got new shirts and Uh, Kroger, uh, not Kroger, um, Meyer has, uh, Halloween, like plushies and, um, like Walmart's got versions of the movie that come with plushies and just, it's a bombardment of Ghostbusters riches right now. So again, don't fight it guys, enjoy it because it's not going to last. And yeah, uh, Ecto Cooler, Ecto Cooler is back. Have you seen like, there's pictures, especially on Instagram, people that have like whole pallets of Insta of like... Ecto Cooler everywhere. I don't know why.
2: No, no, it's not back. What you've done is you've said it's popped up somewhere and a whole bunch of people are now frothing at the mouth <laughs> that they still haven't been able to find it. It's, it's not, not back, Troy. It's popped up in large quantities unfairly, unfairly in small pockets around I, the United I think that's States. That's probably
1: part of I mean I know like when I went to my local grocery store and I said, "Hey, listen. I will buy a bunch of the Ecto Cooler boxes from you. I just need you to order them. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to order them around Halloween. This was in June. And I said, you're going to do what? The movie comes out in like six weeks. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, they're riding on the, the Halloween Ghostbusters wave, kind of like Target is doing with these, you know, uh, T shirts that have the Ghostbusters uh, logo. There's like a, it says Boo with the No Ghost logo on it. Yeah. All right. Totally. I mean, it's, that's a Halloween item. I'm probably not going to pick that one up by the way, but, um, maybe that's what the you know, grocery stores are doing. They're saying like, Oh, Ghostbusters Halloween, pick this up for your party, that kind of thing.
2: Exactly. It, it may not be, you know, it might be crazy like a, a Fox because it's one thing to get it out there and the fans who remember it go and buy it all up. That's kind of exciting. And you know, it certainly proves to, to, uh, coca-cola that you know the product will sell and all that but the chains want to move to everybody so it makes a perfect amount of sense to go halloween's coming you need a halloween flavored drink well you can get the special you know whatever it is uh, whatever the pop is in the special halloween cans or what about this drink which is actually inspired by a ghost this is the time to point out to coke you should have put slimer you should have paid for slimer on yeah, the box yeah uh, but,
1: but they're making up for it with all of their promotional stuff like on uh was it facebook or twitter where they posted the rest of the drink recipes i think it was on facebook right they did like a was it like a, a slushy ecto cooler what what was it did did you see that
2: uh i saw the sherbert oh sherbert you mean
1: yeah that's what i mean I
2: Yeah, uh, somebody wrote an article because Sherbert, oh God, I'm not going to get into the Sherbert and, uh, ice cream and, oh God, what's the other one? So what's the know. difference
1: between Sherbert and
2: sorbet? Sorbet. Yes. The Italian ice. I think sorbet has egg in it. It's oh, okay. sort of like Sherbert cause it's water and sugar and flavoring. But I think the, whatever you want to call it, the emulsifer or whatever, comes from egg mm. i can't swear to that but sherbet is yeah it's like it's water flavoring and sugar and it's you know frozen up and all that god i don't know i don't make ice cream there all i, all I know, know is there is was it's... a
1: girl there was a uh, like a, a girl in high school that i had a very high opinion of <laughs> that uh when i would say sherbert she'd be like you mean sorbet and would no, correct they're... me every time and i was like no i'm pretty sure it says S h e r b e r t. That looks like sherbert to me on the garden.
2: Yeah, they're two different things. Ah. Um, but it it makes perfect sense. You get yourself a a a bunch of ecto cooler, and you start putting it through the chill process, and ta da, sherbert. There you go. Ecto cooler sherbert. Uh, right.
1: Popsicles.
2: Uh,
1: Ooh, crystal yeah. coolers.
2: See, I'll tell you right now, I forget the name of the company, but in recent years, several companies make uh, very fancy silicone uh, popsicle molds.
1: Right. And they come in all
2: different shapes and all that. And I know for a fact there are some... Halloweeny type ones out there. That would be fantastic.
1: And there were, at one point, there were no ghost molds, right? Or Slimer molds. I want to say that it was like Spencer's had them for a little while or just like a brief second. Somebody had ice molds <laughs> for Ghostbusters and I wasn't able to grab them in time.
2: Yeah. Well, that was Diamond Select, wasn't it? Put out oh, the yeah, silicone it was ice cube. But that was yeah. on the... The, the ice cube mold of the uh, I shouldn't say ice cube mold but the silicone mold of the No Ghost logo and I used it uh, with some success uh, to make chocolates. Ooh, Yeah, it was great. See,
1: You could be doing uh, ecto-cooler pops with those. Where yeah, are that those would be now? Good. Come on, you could Chris. Do that. You can ship those through the mail internationally. It'll be fine. It'll be fantastic.
2: <laughs> I'm in Canada. We have to get licenses to get dry ice. <laughs> Unlike you guys who can go to the corner store and there's just a big freezer saying, Don't put your hand in without the gloves. Stupid. Yeah, I've got
1: dry ice right here, right now. What's I like the smoke that or the the like ether that comes <laughs> off of it. Don't worry about it. Ether. I don't know. Carbon dioxide. It's what a is wrong it's a little you? it's a little like thingy majig. <laughs> ether.
2: Good heavens. It's fine. Your we'll transgressions about that against science must stop now, Troy.
1: That's fine. We're just gonna to talk to a doctor later. It'll be fantastic. Hey, let's that talk about LEGO Dimensions. <laughs> uh, so Lego Dimensions. So, Lego Dimensions—they uh, the the new expansion pack is coming out soon. A new video hit the internet of some gameplay. I didn't do my homework and I I didn't watch it, Chris. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, but you guys should go out and watch it. Uh, did you watch it? You uh, that this just happened like today? Did you get a chance to watch the video?
2: Not yet. I was right. uh, kind of intrigued by the the one screenshot I saw because it confirmed uh, quite nicely that we get to see everybody, and the cutscenes will all be very exciting and based on the movie and. Um Although I guess we still only play the one character so far, uh, Abby. But uh, yeah, no, I did not get to, to dive into the video. But yeah, yeah,
1: everybody will be there. So, so at any rate, yeah, Lego Dimensions. Uh, get those pre orders in because it's on the way soon. Uh, go check out that video. We'll talk about it uh, in next week's episode or the week following. Um, let's let's do it. We have, poor poor Marie has been waiting so patiently. Let's let's get her in here and let's start talking to her about about stay puffed in living rooms and a whole lot of, a lot of other stuff
2: Alice I'm gonna ask you a couple of standard questions okay?
0: Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster and the Theory of Atlantis?
2: What are you supposed to do? Some kind of a cosmonaut? What has that got to do with it? I'm a
1: scientist. Well, I'm I'm incredibly uh, excited to be talking to Dr. Marie. It's it's Dr. Marie Hicks, correct? Uh, Marie, I'm sorry. <laughs> you are a, you are a PhD, so I want to make sure that I get the doctor in there.
3: That's right. That's right. You got to get it in there once, right? Got to do but, it. Um, I don't really go by that. You can call me Mar. <laughs> Mar. Okay. Excellent. Well, Mar, thank you. Uh, it's it's
1: really funny. I. I initially reached out to you because of an incident that happened, uh, you know, in your living room that we mentioned on the show last week, um, involving some seasonal decorations. And I thought it would be very, you know, funny to have you come on and, and tell your story. But then, as I got to know you and your work, I realized, man, we need to talk more in depth about a whole bunch of things. So, uh, so before we get into to that, to the to the meat of the order, let's get this out of the way. Um, what happened with Stay Puffed in your living room? What, what, what was the incident that occurred in, in your living room with that, that decoration?
3: You know, just all the best bad things that happen in the middle of the night when you've been up working and your judgment is maybe not the best, or <laughs> you're just kind of like, hey, I, I need something interesting to happen to take my mind off what's happening, you know, work-wise. And so I had it because I saw it when I went to, you know, a big box hardware store, and it was way too early for Halloween. Usually I completely mock people who are getting ready for Halloween, you know, in August, but it was, it was just perfect. So I got it, and um, I didn't intend to set it up until much later. I didn't intend to send it up, set it up, uh, you know, inside, certainly. Um, And then I just kind of got anxious and decided, hey, what would happen if I, test it out now
1: <laughs> and okay so you have this uh, giant whatever uh, t- 12 15 foot uh, stay puff marshmallow man lawn uh, decoration that's inflating in your living room uh and about 10 15 seconds in wh- what are the thoughts that are running through your head
3: so the height of the thing was really not um my downfall it was that it was almost as wide as it was tall, and I didn't see that coming because I didn't actually see a display model when I purchased it. and then the other thing, too, is, I mean, it's pretty well engineered. It inflated incredibly quickly. So as it's, you know, inflating like much faster than I thought and getting much wider than I thought and also flopping over because it's not, you know, it's not like staked into the ground. So it's it's not standing up. Um, I'm just realizing like, oh, this is very bad. But then it's also hilarious at the same time. Right. So I just kind of let it go.
1: And, and is it is it wrecking your furniture? I mean, do you have stuff falling off of uh, end tables and you're just kind of like, "Eh, whatever. It's late at night. Just let it let it run its course."
3: yeah so i mean remember you know how you referred to me at the beginning of the podcast the way i got those um letters before my name was by being a very poor grad student for about a decade so i don't have a ton of nice stuff to wreck uh-huh. um so you know this is like a big splurge and my main concern was it breaking itself oh, uh man. not it breaking other things so it just you know it just kind of inflated and it knocked i I don't know it knocked like a bowl like a plastic bowl off one of my speakers or something like that but other than that there really wasn't anything around for it to you know destroy it wasn't like it wasn't like downtown new york or anything
1: oh good okay not not like stepping on a church that's good news uh so how did you did you remedy the situation or is stay puff still staking claim to your living room do you have a giant inflatable couch right now
3: yeah i mean i've just abandoned that room it's kind of dead to me <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's a casualty. Just leave it behind. Yeah, um, you know it happens. Well, uh, so the funny thing. So you you snapped this photo, um, saying that you had made a grave miscalculation, and it went viral. Were you were you surprised at how viral it went and how how it got picked up by Ghostbusters fan sites and BuzzFeed and all of these other uh, uh, outlets? Were you surprised by the reaction to it?
3: Yeah, I was completely shocked. I've I've never actually had a tweet go viral like that before and um I also when I was tweeting it you know I thought it was funny but I was also like I had been up all night so what I thought was funny or maybe you know uh what I should post to Twitter like I wasn't really ch- trusting my own judgment at that point <laughs> and I vividly remember right before I posted thinking this is really stupid you know, and it's kind of, I use my Twitter feed a lot to keep in touch with academic colleagues. So I'm like, it's kind of off-brand. Like, should I really post this? And then I just was like, you know, fuck it, whatever. Um, and so I was really shocked that everybody, you know, had such a good time with it. And then I was really glad that I posted it. You
2: know, for a fact, all your academic contacts were the ones that got that ball rolling, right?
3: Definitely, definitely.
2: <laughs> you were You were afraid that perhaps you were moving off-brand, but... They're they're to blame too. So
3: yeah, they were seeing it and like finally something interesting in her feed. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad that the
1: ball got rolling because it uh, drew attention to Chris and I to be able to talk to you. Because uh, well, let's let's sort of start. Let's start with your PhD. Um, You're currently a a professor. What's your particular field of study, and and what did you get your doctorate in?
3: Um, So my particular field of study is history, in particular history of technology. And I teach at Illinois Tech, which is a university uh, in Chicago that specializes in engineering education. So I'm a little bit of the odd man out there because I am a humanist. Um, But I do history of technology. And um, in particular, history of computing is what my my first book is on, which is coming out in January um, from MIT Press. So I'm really jazzed about that. I was able to sneak like publicity for that into the uh, BuzzFeed article about mr. <laughs> stay puffed because that was actually what I why I was up all night because I was editing proofs um, so yeah basically what I look at is how the history of computing has to do with um, gender and sexuality and how our emphasis so far in looking at like famous, dudes and like the machines they designed leaves out an awful lot. In particular, I'm a labor historian, so I'm really interested in how these machines get used and like in software history. And a lot of that in the early decades has to do with women.
1: Hmm. And it's interesting because when you think computing, you don't ordinarily think Gender equality, much like when you think Ghostbusters, you don't automatically think gender equality as well. There's sort of that weird <laughs> like, wait, how did we get from point A to point B? But I love, I love what you've done, uh, and and I want to get to your NPR book in a minute. But uh, you you are a fan of Ghostbusters, right? Obviously, since you purchased the Stay Puffed uh, lawn ornament, what uh, what also draws you to this concept as well?
3: Um, to to what I study.
1: To to Ghostbusters uh, in addition to what you study because I I would you have a gotcha. passion for what you're studying but let's you know let's establish that you also might be passionate about Ghostbusters as well
3: definitely um, well you know I'm a child of the eighties so it just was a huge part of growing up for me I vividly remember the first time that I saw it in the theater. And um, so, you know, it kind of imprinted on me when I was a kid. And also, it's just a really good movie. I mean, watching it subsequently as an adult, I'm sort of shocked at how well it holds up. And, you know, just even like the pacing of the film is incredibly good. And, you know, a lot of older films you look at in there, you know, they're still good. But you think, oh, well, by modern standards like this really could have used a better editor or, you know, the effects are just distractingly cheesy and it's, it it, you know, it really holds up. So I, I continue to enjoy it. And I guess, you know, I like it for all the same reasons, probably everybody else likes it. Um, but it's also like incredibly quotable. And so if, you know, you are a child of the eighties and you want to kind of like feel out whether somebody is, you know, maybe like, um, on your wavelength or not, and you know they grew up in the same era. You just slip something in, like "shh, listen." Do you smell something? And you know, gauge their reaction.
1: <laughs> Litmus test, yeah. Uh, so, and obviously, I mean, science and technology play such a huge part into the movie too. Does does that factor into it at all?
3: Um, I think that my interest in science and technology kind of postdated my interest in the film. Mm. So that's a really interesting question i don't think i ever really thought about it that way um although now that you point that out like there is a lot to be said about like the hilarious ways in how how the film kind of presents technology as a fix for you know for ghosts which is of course completely ridiculous and it seems like nowadays we are kind of in the real world almost falling into that same sort of ridiculousness with just thinking, oh, well, like, you know, an app can fix everything for us.
1: <laughs> it can, right? That's that's totally true, I, I think. No, not at all.
3: If you're going to invest in my startup, then yes,
1: yes it is. <laughs> okay, all right, where do I sign? Um, <laughs> all right, well, so so the, the original film, uh, obviously beloved by many, uh, especially children of the 80s, highly quotable. Uh, then this new film comes along, why do you think that it became such a focal point even before we had seen imagery, you know, from from the film when they had announced the the director and the cast? Um, you know, why do you think it drew such a? It became like a, a a center point for all of these discussions and debates. And what what was it about it that that made that happen?
3: You know, I wish I wish I had a good answer for this, but I was as kind of taken aback and surprised as i think any everybody else was that it blew up into this mm. huge just like internet you know uh fight about just who was going to be in the film i mean i i don't know you can probably correct me on this but i can't think of a similar incident to this um at least in recent memory
1: yeah chris i don't i, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where it all of a sudden, everybody's talking. It's a social issue based upon the announcement of a, f- a film.
2: No, although there were a kind of what now, in retrospect, feel like little, um, I don't know, um, test runs or whatever you want to call them. Like when uh, Mad Max: Fury Road came out, or you know, it became clear that the uh, one of the Focal heroes of the new Star Wars was going to be Rey and stuff like that. Oh, right, that, yeah. That well, yeah. There we'd... were little flare ups of, <laughs> of rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb from, <laughs> from certain circles that went, you know, turned it up to 11 for Ghostbusters. But prior to that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know that I can think of much myself.
1: Uh, so, so Mar, you mentioned that the the reaction was surprising to you. Uh, why? Why? I mean, as a fan of the original, they announce a new movie. You should be excited about stuff. Uh, you know what? What surprised you the most about people's reaction to this announcement? Did, was it your first logical step, like, oh, fantastic, they're casting four females in the lead, or did did you not think about that initially at first?
3: I mean. Honestly, it didn't register too much with me. It seemed like, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, it's the 21st century. Like, women are we're, we're everywhere. Like, it didn't seem like that big a deal to me, honestly. And it was only after there was that huge backlash that I realized, oh, actually, maybe it is a really big deal that we have, like, women leads mm. in movies more often. Um, so it, it was... It was a little bit of an eye opener to me because I I didn't have a huge reaction to it, and I never really expected anybody else to have a huge reaction to it, either pro or against. Yeah,
1: well, and it's interesting too because a lot of that, a lot of those comments and that discussion began when they that first image, which I'm looking at on my desktop of my computer because I love it so much. But the the first image of the four cast members in their uniform with all of their gear. Um, I, I mean, I can't help, you know, going back to your NPR interview and, and being tickled by uh, that, that notion that there was a shift in women as they were presented as computer operators and advertising, and then it sort of shifted to become more sexualized and, and more stereotypical. Uh, the things that that we had heard over the course of that photo being released and over the year, year and a half, uh, leading up to the film release, you know, things like, well, they look like garbage collectors. Uh, why aren't they smiling? Just these, these comments Mm -hmm. that you don't quite, they're, they're dressed for their job, right? They're, they're ghost hunters. They're in coveralls. They have safety tape, obviously, because they don't want to shoot each other with proton streams. Um, you know, at, Are there there parallels to be drawn here? And and is that strange, you know, looking back on the 19... It was the 1950s, right, that the the computing uh, advertising sort of began. Are we we seeing this sort of Mm -hmm. history repeating itself?
3: Yeah, that's, you know, that's a really fascinating point that you make, that um, the backlash was sort of because of how um, the leads in the film were seen to be performing femininity, that it wasn't just because they were... Women forming these roles uh, or or performing these roles, but because it was sort of like you say, oh, well, they don't they don't look pleasing to a certain percentage of the audience who feels like they should look, you know, sexier or should be somehow, um, you know, sort of ideal in a different way than they were being presented um and yeah that that kind of goes right along with a lot of the stuff that i study where um one of the reasons that like women programmers are so prevalent early on is because the ideal of a programmer really early on before the field like professionalizes it's um seen as Like the ideal programmer is just very technical and doesn't um, basically think too much, honestly. Mm. And so employers think, well, women are perfect for this. And then as that ideal of the programmer changes, it starts to flip in about the mid-60s or so. And people who are doing the hiring for these jobs start to think, actually, these are very important jobs because the people who control the machines, actually, they they stand to control much more and they really, you know, they really have a lot of power. So now uh, maybe we should hire people into these positions who are like more management oriented. And that doesn't explicitly excuse or exclude women, but it does sort of make the ideal computer programmer seem like um, more male identified. Because Hmm. in the 50s and 60s and 70s, the idea of managing um, and being in charge of people in the workplace and outside of the workplace was, you know, that was implicitly gendered masculine.
1: Huh. Interesting. And uh, so, are there are there parallels to draw there too? You know, knowing that you're a fan of the '84 film, where again, uh, B- Bill Murray and and Harold Ramis and and crew are in the same co- coveralls. They're dressed for their job. Uh, for these same comments were not made about them. Oh, they look like they should be hanging off the back of a garbage truck. Uh, put those in a dumpster where they belong. That kind of thing. W- w- why? I I don't understand why. So why? Why then do we have those comments that are being made in 2016 because these are for female leads?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is when when the original Ghostbusters looked like they could be garbage men, it was it was just funny, right? And they were just seen as kind of funny misfits. But there's something about when you change the gender and you make them women that they don't kind of just get to be funny misfits in the same way. There's Hmm. like this added layer of having to conform to particular social norms surrounding what it means to be a woman in American society. And that kind of like jams the signals um, of, oh, they're just funny or they're just misfits, you know, because there's like that extra layer.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and it certainly doesn't help that this time of year, there's that uh, quote-unquote sexy Ghostbuster costume that uh, rears, <laughs> rears its head Ugh. as well, where you've got the short miniskirt Ghostbuster uh, costume that everybody's out there buying.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: I realized today, it's been out for almost a decade, and I only now realize that the full product name is Ghostbusters Secret Wish Sexy Outfit. I don't oh, know that's what the, the proper secret, name of it. Yeah, I do The secret wishes just pushed it over the top for me. That I'm like, that's it. There's there's no more creepiness to be wrung out, <laughs> out of this product.
1: Oh, God, unbelievable. Um, well, yeah, the,
3: those those costumes are. I don't know. It's it's so interesting the conversation uh, surrounding like the the sexy version of costumes for women because in some ways, I mean it's perfectly fine, right? Like, there's no reason to kind of be against that or, like, slut-shame women who want to wear those. Um, but on the other hand, when we see women kind of being pressured to, like, only wear those costumes because, like, you know, the... Uh, the quote-unquote normal Ghostbusters costume that you find in Target is, like, way too huge on most women. Right. I know this because yeah. I, I, dre- I dressed up in that costume a few years ago. Um, then that's, you know, I think that's where the problem arises when when there isn't really um, a choice if you don't want to wear yeah. the, the sexy costume.
2: If I recall, that was the initial problem when the costumes came out because they had the... For the men and for the boys, they had the jumpsuits, and then they they had the uh, the, the third uniform, which was these the secret wishes sexy costumes and It wasn't until only a handful of years ago that they started putting up the uh, as you said uh, the, sometimes they were too big they actually had ones that were fitted for women's sizes
1: mm. yeah the the proper uh female version of the coveralls, yeah. Um,
3: oh, I'll have to. I'll have to look for that. I didn't know they came out with that.
2: And well, and particularly this year, they added then the new movie ones and a choice of I don't know what you'd call it. Quality, I guess. Like there's some real, like just sort of uh, last minute, uh, last minute uh, party kind of costumes that are a little bit flimsier. And then some of them that I can't remember the price, but they they're not insignificant. It is mm. you know tens of tens of dollars that. Um, you know, has a real uh, sense of durability to it. Uh, both old, the the original movie and the new movie uniforms, both men and women. So yeah, nice. Uh, and, yes, well, and then Ruby's, as we say, still has uh, a whole line for kids, one for dogs, and the yeah, then the the uh, the sexy one, and yeah, well, they have a whole range now. So let's put it that way. Um, yeah, so then, At least there's yeah, choice depending now. what you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That's uh, that's such an awesome outgrowth of of the new movie that, you know, it's like it's promoted, you know, merchant. Oh, I, I shouldn't say it's great that it's promoted more like merchandising and consumption, but that now there's merchandise that um, can kind of suit a wider variety of uh, femininities.
1: So, uh So, Mar, this this might open a can of worms, so uh, we can pass over this if you don't want to talk about it. Um, (laughs) But it it came up because I'm a Jessica Jones fan as well. Uh, You know, uh, Kilgrave, Purple Man says this to her, and everybody thought it was creepy. So uh, what's so telling about particular comments, especially towards the, the four female leads, that... Uh, In all the photos, they weren't smiling. Why are they not smiling? They should smile more. Uh, Again, does that go back to the same sort of gender inequality? They don't say the same thing about, uh, you know, uh, Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson when they're in in a production photo.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, smiling is, in essence, it's kind of a, a fear face, right? It's what you do when you're showing submission to somebody who is dominant whom you're trying to please and you know we love to smile like we smile all the time but part of smiling is a sort of uh making yourself safe to uh to be approached by somebody else like that's Mm. that's why a smile seems inviting right and uh so it's it's a real like kind of flashpoint when women don't do that for obvious reasons well, and and
1: does that does this, does advertising sort of play a small part in that as well? I'm, I'm again, I'm thinking of the two photos that you have. I think it's on your website of the the two computer operators. Uh, the the one female is in the lab coat and she's she's dressed for her job. She's doing her job, and then the one next to it is, you know, she's wearing the short uh, pencil skirt and she's kind of smiling and she's more cheerful and a little sexier. Is this sort of like a, a norm like a social norm that we've now placed that oh all you're, you're not just doing your job, you also have to be, like, friendly and cute and cheerful.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, and I think, like, when we're talking about advertising, you know, especially now, but probably for decades, that's applied uh, whether the figure in the ads has been a man or a woman, you know, that there have been ways of performing femininity in advertisements that, Um, really influence us and there have been ways of performing masculinity in advertisements that really like you know probably make dudes feel bad about their bodies and how they're (laughs) supposed to be acting so I think I think yeah you're totally right that there's there's like a um, give and take and sort of uh, an effect that advertising has on how we think even when we don't consciously realize it Um, but I feel like we can't you know, we can't necessarily say that it's originating with advertising, you know, like maybe advertising is helping condition us to expect certain um, imagery more. Um, But I think that uh, when we're talking about like, hey, why do people, you know, tell women that they don't know uh, who are walking down the street? Like, why don't you smile? Um, Like, I don't think that's due to advertising you know mm-hmm. i think that's kind of due to just how um a lot of young men are still socialized to see their place in the world
1: yeah well it's, i've never heard, uh, that's interesting the whole control and submission thing i've never thought of it that way either um that it's almost a, a, a dominating factor to make somebody smile oh i made you do something that's Makes it even creepier. Oh no, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> um, well, so have have you seen the new film? What what were your impressions of the new film?
3: I have, yeah. Um, so, like, full disclosure, I. I like the original film a lot. Um, I didn't necessarily go into the, uh, the remake with high hopes because I just figured, you know, well, you know, it's kind of a, a Hollywood money grab. They're just going to kind of like do the same thing over again. And I have to say that, you know, in large part, I felt like that's what it was, but it was fun. I certainly, you know, I certainly was glad to have, you know, spent my nine dollars on it or whatever. I don't think I'm gonna probably see it many times more intentionally, but um but it was it was fun. And I guess it's just nice also to see uh like the stuff that uh you and Chris were mentioning um before about how it sort of changed the popular discourse surrounding um like the stuff that I don't know, women and little girls can uh, dress up as at Halloween or sort of aspire to be even in a fantasy sense. I feel like that's the more important part about it. Even, you know, even if I didn't love the film, I sort of, I do really like how that is part of its effect.
1: Yeah, yeah, it certainly has open doors. So we've seen at comic conventions, uh, most recently at Dragon Con, all of the uh, girls of all ages, from you know f- uh, five-year-olds to fifty-year-olds, uh, that were dressed up like Holtzman. So obviously, the characters opened doors and sort of resonated <laughs> with them, which is kind of nice
3: yeah and and I love Holtzman, too, because like she's you know like pretty actively queer, which is awesome. Um I wonder what your what your thoughts are on that well it's it's funny that you you provide
1: me with an excellent segue here because I have an email from one of our listeners that Chris and I have been holding on to for just the right person to talk about it, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like you are that person so the time, if, yeah, if you'll permit me. <laughs> Um, So we we received an email from Julie back in August after she saw the film, um, and I'll I'll read it to you, and then hopefully you can sort of speak to it. She says, um, Hello, Troy. Your podcast is wonderful, generous, and joyful. Your guests' opinions are reasoned and respectful, and it makes me feel good about the sometimes crappy place of the Internet. I was just wondering, maybe in some of your debriefs, if you might have some more women on the show to specifically talk about the movie's social impact. I feel like queer women in particular are having a moment about this movie, and I feel like this is kind of for them in ways no other movie hasn't been. Counting myself among them, yo, she says. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would just kill to see a few of those newly found female fans and queer women fans meet and discuss with longtime diehards. I know this is super forward, and I don't mean to dictate your content, but I'm so stoked about this movie and the podcast, I just want to throw something into the ring." Um, So, so Julie, obviously she, it's interesting because Holtzman is not overtly gay. They don't draw a light upon it. It's sort of, it's implied in terms of her actions and, and sort of her behaviors. Um, Mm -hmm. Was it good that they left it a little ambiguous, that they didn't draw specific attention to it and make it more important? How, how did you feel about that?
3: Um, well, so I, I don't know if Julie would agree with me or not, but I don't think it was very ambiguous. (laughs) Um, I mean, aside from her, like, having, you know, a sexual tryst in the film, like, I think it was pretty clear, like, what she's about. And, you know, just like you can read a character as straight pretty easily without seeing them get into... A specific romantic entanglement. I think you can read a character as queer or as a lesbian pretty easily without having to see them, you know, get into a specific, like, romantic situation. Um, Of course, there is the joke, you know, in the queer community, of which I'm a part, that like, oh, well, we just assume everybody is queer, right? Um, (laughs) Because it makes the world that much bigger for us. Um, So I admit, you know, there may be some bias there. Uh, But I, yeah, I really liked it. I thought Holtzman's character was really fun, like, on many levels. And that was, um, you know, a, a big part of why I enjoyed her. But I think she was just kind of like, she was the new Bill Murray, essentially. Like, she got to be the most unhinged and the most fun um so like everybody kind of loves her and i have to say um i want to give a shout out to all of the little uh i guess you can call them like holtspians who have been faving (laughs) and um retweeting the stay puff tweet that i posted because it just it it gives me joy like every time i see another like uh little baby dyke who has like Holtzman as uh her user pick and they're like you know they're they're faving the tweet and like I look at their feed and there's like just hilarious awesome um you know queer positive stuff going on in their feed and it it makes me very happy so I love that Holtzman is like a um you know like a lightning rod for that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, her her sexuality and appeal is, is obviously a lightning rod. I think it's also Kate McKinnon's as well, because you know that Kate McKinnon is also the same type of person. Um, but I, to me, yeah. I don't... I mean, again, my, my perception of it was uh, for the same reasons that George Takei came out and said... Um, that you know he was disappointed that Sulu was the homosexual character in Star Trek because that character was initially straight. You know, you should have created a new character, given it its own uh, 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 its own sort of introduction and and have this character live and breathe on its own. And to me, that's exactly what, what I feel that Holtzman did. She's this, she's a unique character. She stood out. Um, Her sexuality just happens to be a part of who she is. And and that's, I think that's what I love the most about it is it's, you say she's the new Bill Murray, but she's not Bill Murray. You know, she's not Vankman, She's her own character, which is fantastic to me.
3: Yeah, yeah. And uh, God, I could have like a 10 hour conversation slash fight with anybody, anybody at all (laughs) um, about uh, how Star Trek deals with gender and sexuality, because I love Trek. I love, love, love it so much. Um, But it is like one of the most heteronormative uh, sci fi properties out there. And that's really problematic. Um, Yeah, so yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it is. It's it's I mean, it's tough to draw those lines again, because Sulu is a character that's been around 50 plus years now. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, for the, the Ghostbusters have been around 30 years now as well. So they've they've kind of laid their stake into things. And it's good to see a character that is, is on their own and a little diverse as well. But
3: yeah, and it it really is, especially since, you know, like all I guess one of the reasons I find it disappointing in Star Trek and the Star Trek universe is because Star Trek is specifically a utopian vision, you know, so I feel like, come on, guys, you have to work a little harder at this. Um, But all types of movies that engage in fantasy are utopian visions in some respect. So it's gratifying to see, you know, the new Ghostbusters film, like making that a part of the fantasy universe.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I guess one, one question to bring it all home here, um, knowing, knowing your book that's coming out, uh, focusing on the history of technology, focusing on these, these gender issues, um, and then now having talked about what happened in 2016, have we grown? Have we changed? Are we the same? Are we still sort of on the same path here as we <laughs>
2: were in the 1950s? Better, Tell us it's getting better, Mark. Tell us <laughs> it's getting better.
3: Well, there's that famous old line, right? History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's definitely true. On the other hand, hell yeah, things are getting better. I mean, even the fact that we're having this conversation is just... you know, a huge uh, piece of evidence that things are changing and getting better. And the fact that we have uh, this movie, even though there was this huge uproar and even though like really horrible things happened to like, um, you know, Leslie Jones, I mean, it's horrible what happened to her. Um, So it's hard when you when you look at that to think, oh, things are getting better. On the other hand, you know, um, one of the reasons that it provoked such a response is because it was a reaction to. Um, to change that made people feel some people feel uncomfortable so i think that things are you know we're trundling along things are changing things are getting better in some respects you know and for some people not necessarily for everybody in the same measure uh all at once but you know i i certainly am not one of these people who just thinks that like nothing changes because if that were true you know i wouldn't need to be a historian <laughs>
1: <laughs> it would be yeah it would all be status quo exactly Exactly. Um, well, so Mar, where, where can people follow you to, uh, to know when the book is released and to follow along with, with your writings? Uh, because you also post up blogs and you also have your syllabi for all of your courses up online, which I, well, I love. Where, where's the best place for people to follow you?
3: Sure. Um, Well, I'm at histoftech on Twitter, and you can find out more about my book at uh, programmedinequality.com, because that's the title, Programmed Inequality. And it's all about women in the history of computing. So if you're into that, you can sign up on the website to be notified of when it comes out. It's going to come out in January of 2017. Excellent. I'm highly looking forward to reading it. It's, it's uh, again, after
1: listening to your NPR uh, interview and, and talking with you now, I can't wait to sort of dive in and <laughs> maybe draw some nerdy parallels to Ghostbusters and things that we've observed in the last year, year and a half.
3: Ah, oh, thank you.
1: Um, well, Mar, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and uh, maybe we can talk to you again uh, in, in a few after we've gotten some listener responses and maybe other people can, and can reach out and ask you a few questions.
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals.
0: Ghostbusters. I'm sorry, we'll do it again.
2: We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You and Twitter accounts. Chris is dead.
0: Um, no kidding. Just give me the address.
2: Search Facebook for... The Ghostbusters. Interdimensional proscript. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger.
0: What the hell are you doing?
2: If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC.
0: That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray.
1: All right, so special thanks to uh, Marie Hicks for joining us uh, and for me trying to sound intelligent while talking to somebody with a PhD. I don't know what Ether is. Don't worry about it. But DuckTales, right? <laughs> right? It's just DuckTales. <laughs> See? Bringing we'll it, back. Back. Bring it back. We'll yeah, have her back. it back. Yeah, we'll have back her sometime. back
2: sometime. I'd like to talk to her more at some point.
1: And, and I feel like, you know, if, if you guys have questions or, or discussion topics for somebody of, of Marie's stature, not necessarily of me who doesn't know the difference between um, you know, melting ice and things like that uh, just send us send us, you know, tweets or messages or hit us up on email or call the voicemail. There's a whole lot of ways to get in touch with us and we'll, we'll talk about uh, that kind of stuff with Marie but uh, in the meantime we've got Chris Stewart and his final thoughts. Do you have one this week, Chris?
2: Yeah, I know what the difference between Sorbet and Sherbert is. Oh, you do? Yeah, I looked at him.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, you cheated. All right, what is it? For for the listening audience, what is it?
2: Well, sherbet is uh, juice, sweetened juice, mixed with uh, uh, cream or milk. Oh,
0: uh,
2: okay. Whereas a sorbet or sorbetto is, um, uh, it is sweetened water with flavoring. So, so no you can make cream, both. no
1: milk. Okay,
2: all right. Yeah, I don't know which one has the egg, though. Huh. Actually, maybe sorbet is the. Oh God, it's like a rabbit hole of confectionery. But then, what about
1: gelato? I mean, what is
2: gelato then? Oh, I just, God. There's so okay. many frozen products for us to talk about. I'll read. I'll read up on it. I'll get back to you. Yeah.
1: join us next <laughs> no. week for a frozen dessert talk. I'm Troy. Yeah. and this has been Chris. a real, a
2: real, a real Ghostbusters final thought. Is it, it's really only been ramping up the last couple of weeks I think. Well, anecdotally from my own point of view, it seems to be ramping up in the last couple of weeks. Twitter is slowly uh, filling up with some it was it always had a lot of amazing fan art uh, when it hit North America, but once it hit Asia, a whole other school of fan art really just just went nuts, right? Oh, yeah. The very anime schools of styles and all that just went it's all over, right? Like Ghostcore make a book you can make a book of fan (laughs) art there is some spectacular fan art out there
1: i mean i'm i'm looking at my cell phone right now and i've got the it's sort of the anime holtzman where she's got the the proton pistols and there's like the the whip uh effect that's kind of happening from that battle of Times square it's awesome i mean the art is fantastic it's I, I, I can draw stick figures that's about as far as I can go like I'm always jealous of people like Dan Schoning who can be like oh I'm just gonna for my warm up sketch do the Mona Lisa check it out you know and I go oh wow that, that sucks to be you Dan you're really talented thanks man no problem
2: <laughs> do you see the the one by underscore uh, oh I want to say Koteri. but I think that zero is a, or O is a zero so Uh, underscore K-0-T-T-E-R. I'm assuming it's capital I and then underscore again. Was it on the... Did you put it on your proton thing there. Yeah, it it was the orange... Oh, The orange and greens and blues.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was great.
2: The the Japanese one? That one is... It looks like the manga cover.
1: That one that's got like Holtzman with the stars in her eyes. Are you talking about that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: I do remember that one. And then the Kevin with the really... Strange blue glasses, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I only realized it now, looking at it. To talk to you about it is that Erin uh, is front and center, and she's wielding the knife, the the, the Swiss Army knife. Oh, is
1: she really? Oh my, I'm gonna have to look <laughs> at that when to get off the uh, the line here.
0: Oh
1: no, my these god! Are great. Like, I
2: just, these are just four I found today, and I posted. I know there's been others, and this is on the backs of. Uh, so shout out to R.J. Russell. Uh, cuz he has been doing a number of uh pencil uh based the pencil ones based on the uh some of the PR photos they released uh like the the i think they most often got used on the online uh little social media posters the character the character banners yeah yeah the individual character posters yeah so there he's doing these fantastic uh like you know high photorealistic uh art pencils We've got uh, people like uh, uh, John uh, uh, down there in your neck of the woods who's doing, uh, you know, his style of art, which, again, is kind of kind of, uh, kind of of a, a North American animation school and a touch of, you know, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the anime school.
1: Ninkava. Yeah, yeah. His are kind of that kind of North American animation style, which are cool. The same with, like, uh, Paige Branson, who was on the show yeah, before.
2: She's got that Dan- kind of cool... Dan Shoning, of course, is even though he's professionally being paid to make (laughs) Ghostbusters art, still, he just does stuff because he loves it. He did a great Holtzman the minute we saw her. A lot of comic artists uh, started doing sketches. Lots of different fan art. uh, And then uh, even pockets of kind of anime style... uh, Not anime. There must be a different term for Japanese style cartoons. Like, not comic books or anime or manga but uh, cartoons cause, and, I, and like I said I, they're not necessarily coming out of Japan or whatever it's just a style it's been, hmm. how do I put this Steve Steven Universe that sort of thing where you look at it and you know it's been influenced by uh, lots of different elements sure, from sure. manga and anime but it's being generated in, in same thing here uh, and it's all uh, for as far as, far, as far as I can tell uh, Holtzman uh, shippers there's a there's a whole series of Holtzman uh, where she uh, it's her wooing Aaron like it's and it's just cute like it's real it's real um, it's like the Ghostbusters equivalent of the the human being cartoons the right. or the love is yeah. that's the ones yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> those yeah those ones the Cherubby yeah,
1: characters uh, trying it, to woo each other yeah, yeah they
2: they're, they're not quite that Cheubby characters but it is it's this, oh, how funny. this uh, endearingly syrupy sweet kind of uh uh you know which is way better than stumbling into slash fiction or something like that oh boy
1: yeah there's uh i'm not gonna i do i do a daily (laughs) image search of ghostbusters and some very awful uh extreme ghostbusters images come up from time to time and i'm like what okay (laughs) okay
2: what's the rule the internet rule Rule whatever it's
1: like rule 38 or whatever that yeah 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 uh
2: unbelievable but
1: uh well all of those all of that artwork aside uh eric and ghost core if you guys are listening that's that's what the book needs to be i mean if you want to do the slash fiction one
2: or with all of the there's there's a market there's a market there obviously
1: um But you know that's 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 okay. I'd rather I'd rather see all of the great art that's being posted by all the fans
2: everywhere. So um yeah, I can only imagine that as, once the the DVD hit, or oh, God, am I that old now that I can't say DVD anymore? Once
1: the uh the video
2: cassette tape uh,
1: hits I, the
2: what, what, once I pick up the new CD, um, wow, listen CDs are make old, it sound
1: old too, huh? The, God, the that old eight, sucks.
2: The old eight track. Um <laughs> <laughs> cassette, th- 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 here. Please step in, ladies. Have a look at my cassette single collection. My cassette singles, um, ca- or as I like to call them, cassingles singles um, Oh, forward thinking! <laughs> forward thinking. Uh, <laughs> once the Blu-ray comes out, because then all of a sudden fans, uh, uh, these art- fan artists, they have their you know minimum 1080p. Uh, press pause do you know what i mean like their reference yeah, material goes of the through the ref roof that you need yeah um so yeah by this by christmas time let's uh, let's get to work on next christmas's stocking stuffer yeah bring it on
1: and in the meantime uh, follow follow proton charging on twitter cuz you you post all of the good stuff and I, I love checking that out every day so um all right we'll uh check out the fan art thanks so much again to our guest marie hicks uh, for her time stopping by here on the cross rip had a great conversation with her. Uh, next week on the show, we've got a little something different for you guys. Uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, as always, we'll see you on the other side. Who you gonna
0: call? We Thanks for joining the Who Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at protoncharging.com, ghostbustershq.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bassmaster. Everything you're doing is bad, and let's get to know this.
1: You truly scare me. I just want to
0: let you know that next week, though, Carol's pets weird.